Just want to let you all know we finally made it to Malawi, Africa. One of the expectations is being able to share the hope of Jesus Christ with people. The thing I'm excited about is seeing how the Holy Ghost is going to work in an unexpected way. I have great expectations to see what the Holy Spirit's going to do through all of us. This is Pastor Robert, who is the lead pastor for New Life Church in Longwe, Malawi. New Life not only hosts regular services, but they also operate a private Christian school that is currently under construction. One of New Life's goals is to raise up leaders through the Pastoral Training Institute. After graduation, these young men go on to preach God's word through church planting. So, Antoni, can you tell me about what it is that you are here for? Whereby we have been trained to be able to preach the light gospel at the same time, the truth about the Bible and um, the reality about God. In preparing to come to Africa, I knew we would see and experience poverty. But actually being here and seeing it up close and personal and meeting the people has been very overwhelming and emotional. What good things are you seeing the Lord doing at your Yes, I'm um, seeing many people that are coming to Christ, they're giving their souls to Christ. Mm, we praise, praise God. God for that. Yeah, yes, we praise yes. God for that. We're here with uh, Mac Rogers. He started the church about four weeks ago, and uh, the village chief uh, offered him the tree to hold service uh, under currently. And as the church grows, hopefully uh, we're praying that the Lord will give them another space to worship him. Yes, yes. The area has been infiltrated by Jehovah's Witnesses. Right. Yeah, there are some uh, churches there, prominent churches, but the problem is the churches are lukewarm. They are not preaching the gospel in the area. Right. So when I went to the chief, he said, don't bring here prosperity gospel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, yes, we are bringing here Christ-centered gospel. While we were there, we partnered with the pastors from the PTI program. We traveled to their villages to hold Bible studies, services, and local outreach events. One of the things that's been uh, just a huge blessing to me is seeing the hospitality of the people here. Yeah. Um, they don't have much, and yet they are so happy to see you, and they're so willing to give you whatever it is that they have that they can offer you. A couple of things I've been greatly encouraged about my time here in Malawi. Number one is the skill that the pastors have with the Word of God. They are very, very good students of the Word of God. Christ purchased of people from every tribe and language, people and nation. And it's been so encouraging to see that God does keep his word. And uh, it's been it's been a joy to see that. I think one of the most encouraging things I've seen was the hunger and thirst for God and for truth. I've been very encouraged by the responses to the messages that have been spoke. To see a young man that actually came forward to ask to be prayed for, He's only been saved for about three weeks, and he said he wants to live his life for Jesus. Another thing, it's been a blessing, the joy that the people have when they sing, and uh, quite honestly, the, the choir I, I saw today, they not only sang, they moved with rhythm along with the song. I can't speak the language, obviously, but it's such a blessing to listen to them. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've had on the experience coming to Malawi is just to see God working in the lives of so many people. 
and how great the need is. It's been a life-changing experience, and I am so grateful and thankful for the opportunity to come. What's been amazing for me to see on this trip is that so often in our culture, we get wrapped up around keeping up with the Joneses. And um, something that has stuck out to me is that when we go into these villages uh, where these people literally have nothing, they've never asked us for anything, and we keep being told what we need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for me, that has been a huge message and the takeaway of this trip for me is that we don't need physical things, we need Jesus. We got to go to uh, villages, um, and we got to go to village churches, we had family services out in front of people's homes, and uh, as we would share the gospel, every pastor asked us, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what they needed most. I didn't expect to do so much of that here on this trip. I expected more to teach, and I didn't teach a lot. I got to preach a whole lot. What surprised me the most was the zeal that these church planters have to reach these villages. And it was very challenging to my own heart for uh, the level of zeal I have to see people reach for Christ. When I came to Malawi, I expected to get out of my comfort zone and uh, I don't think I've ever been more uncomfortable in my entire life, uh, which is good because then you rely on God. I know there's a lot of people back home praying that the Word of God would go out and get blessed, and that's what we've done uh, through God's grace. So thank you, Jesus. Well, good morning. Isn't that cool? Yeah, amen. Um, I hope that you guys are as blessed by that as I am. Um, watching that back has just brought me um, a lot of joy. That trip was amazing. And so I just want to start by saying thank you for all of your um, love and prayer and support. Uh, without you guys, it would not have been possible for Terry and I to go on that trip. So I just want to say thank you to you all for that. Um, as you heard Pastor Levi um, this morning, I, I had actually prepared a message before going on the trip. Um, I had prepared a Psalms message, and, and you heard him say that we're taking a break from that this morning. The trip um, was amazing for me. And so when I was over there, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share something different with you this morning. And so the message this morning is a gospel message, and we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2. And so we're going to start there this morning. So if you have your Bibles, flip open to Ephesians 2, and we're going to read the first uh, 10 verses there. So Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, it says, uh, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live in this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our own sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Uh, and then verse 4, do you need me to get a different mic or are we good? All right, we'll, we'll get it figured out. All right, verse 4, here's the good news. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. 
So God can point to us in all future generations as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we, were God, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's an amazing passage in Scripture. And so this morning, um, what I want to do to start is break down um, this kind of piece by piece. And so we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to look at the first three um, verses of this passage. So the first thing I want to point out is that um, it, it starts right off from the get-go that we were dead before we knew Christ. We were dead. And I, and I shouldn't really have to say this, but dead people can't really do much. In fact, they can't do anything, right? Because they're dead. They're dead. And so all of the problems and the brokenness that we have in our physical and our spiritual lives comes as a direct result from our own sin and our own disobedience to God. That's the first point. Secondly, because of our sin and because of our disobedience, God has given some authority to Satan. He doesn't have all authority. Christ has all authority. But God has given Satan some authority. And it not only says he has authority, but he has power and that he's actively working. He's actively working to mess things up for us. The scripture is very clear if we look back at verse 2, it says Satan is the commander of the powers in the unseen world. And he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a believer. And, and my life is, is difficult enough. I have enough problems. And I have Jesus on my side. Right? And so, if, if you're an unbeliever, then we know 100% that Satan is actively working in your heart. And that's scary. That's really scary. Okay? And then thirdly, because of our sin, we were subject to God's wrath. And I just want to point out here that this passage is written to believers. And so it's past tense for us. We were subject to God's anger and wrath, but we're not anymore because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're an unbeliever, then it's you are subject to God's wrath. And that's present tense, and that's future tense. But I have good news, and I'm excited to share the good news with you, because we don't have to be in the future tense, right? So before I get to the good news, I want to share a little bit more about the trip. Um, and so while we were in Malawi, I would say that the overarching kind of theme that would encapsulate our trip was um, just the, the desire and the passion that these local pastors had in sharing the gospel. 
And so prior to going on the trip, we had met with um, Eric, who is kind of spearheading um, all of the African initiative stuff over in Wasian. And he got together with us to kind of go over um, what things to expect while we were on the trip. And he said, hey, listen, these guys are going to ask you to preach. So be prepared that when you go to their churches, they're going to want you to talk. So have some, some content ready to go. And so I'd written some sermons and thought that I was ready and prepared going in. And I'll just tell you that I, I really wasn't prepared. And... One thing that was different for me about this trip was kind of the, the spiritual experience that I had. And I know that sounds kind of hippie. Um, I, was, I was not tripping. Um, <laughs> I, I had an spiritual experience on the trip. Um, okay, so uh, what was different about it for me, though, was that I've, I've traveled a lot with the military. And I've, I've been all over Asia and the Middle East, and I've done a lot of travels with the military. And while I was on those travels, I had a mission, um, but the mission that I had was not to, to preach the gospel, right? So my mission with the military was essentially to um, destroy and bring physical death. This mission for me was to equip and bring spiritual life. So we have destruction and death and equipping and spiritual life. Those are like opposite, right? Polar opposite things. And so um, I've never been on a mission trip, and so I, I was excited to see what that was going to be like, um, but it was very, very different for me in regards to um, past experiences that I've had with, with other travels. And it really wasn't the landscape um, or the culture or the different levels of poverty that we saw. I've, I've kind of seen all of that stuff before. Um, but it was, just, it was just the difference in bringing the word of God to people as opposed to what I did with the military. And so the first day that we were there, um, and every day after that, this is what we kind of did. We, they, would partner, they would split us up, and they would partner us with the lo- local church planners there. And so we would go out with them to their local churches in the villages, and when we would get out there, they would say, all right, you guys are preaching, and they would want us to preach, and they would say, preach the gospel. The gospel is what we need. We need the gospel. And so they would remind us of this. And um, for me, being from a different culture and being the American, right, um, the thing that kind of stood out to me the most was just the level of poverty there. it's It's just bad. And so we would go out, and the pastors would just remind us, preach the gospel, on my last deployment to Afghanistan, um, my primary job there was to help build the human infrastructure of the country. And basically what I mean by that is I was supposed to help organize groups and improve their economical and political position. And along with doing that, it was um, also building physical structures. So it was all about building the infrastructure of the country. And I remember standing at one of the churches in Malawi um, one morning, and I was just looking out, and it kind of reminded me of a similar uh, experience I had with the military, just the landscape that I was looking at. And I'm, I'm honestly embarrassed to tell you this, but I, I literally had this thought of, I could do a lot here with a rifle and some money. I could get a lot done here. 
And for a moment, I had forgotten what the pastors kept telling us. I'd forgotten that what they need most is Jesus. It's Jesus first. And it was difficult for me because I started fixating on the problem. And, and my mind was, was spinning on how can I help their physical need. You saw on the clip, the highlight clip, I interviewed a guy named Mac Rogers. And I'll say, that dude has a cool name, <laughs> Mac Rogers. I feel like he should be on the cover of Gucci magazine or something. The guy's cool, you know. And uh, this is funny, too, a side, side story quick. Um, he, if you notice, he was wearing a scarf. And he wasn't wearing that scarf um, as a fashion statement. <laughs> it, it was cold over there. Um, it, was, it was like 75 degrees. It was really cold. <laughs> um, but, but it's funny because it's winter for them over there. Um, and so they looked at us and they're like, you guys are crazy. We're walking around in T-shirts and shorts or whatever. And they're, they've got hats and coats and scarves on. And uh, we were going somewhere the one day. We had a driver, a young man. His name was Jonathan, super cool guy. And um, he was also wearing a scarf that day. It's like high 70s, and the windows in the van are up, and the sun's beating, and it's like, it's hot. So I'm in the front seat. I turn, crank up the AC. I'm like, I'm hot, you know? And we get to where we're going. It's like 10, 15 minutes later, and I look over at Jonathan, and he's like, <laughs> I said, man, I said, are you all right, dude? And he's like, it is so cold in here. What is wrong with you guys? It's like, oh, okay, sorry, man. Uh, but anyway, back to the message here. So Mac Rogers, you saw, you saw in the highlight clip, he's talking about all of the uh, false gospel presence that they have in there. He was talking about the Jehovah's Witness presence and uh, the prosperity gospel present, presence. And I just, um, it, it became very apparent to me that there's a reason why that stuff is being taken over there. And it's because you look at the poverty and you go, this is horrible, we have to do something about this. And what the prosperity gospel is all about, it's the belief that in order to be blessed by God, you have to do good things. You have to give more money. You have to, you have to work your way into salvation. And so I'm going to do all of these good things. And then, based on that, the evidence of Christ in my life then will manifest itself into tangible things. That's the prosperity gospel. So it manifests itself into my comfort and riches and health. Wrong. It's wrong. That's called works-based faith. And it's wrong. So we were at the airport getting ready to leave, ready to fly out. And um, I struck up conversation with a guy who was there on, an, on another mission trip. He was with Presby Presbyterian Church. And we were sharing with each other and uh, telling each other stories and, and whatever our trip experience. And what he said at the end of our conversation just struck me. He, he said, yeah, man, um, you know, what these people really need is just to know that someone cares. I thought, what? That's what these people need? That's what you got out of this trip is that they just need to know someone cares. 
Like, dude, you missed it. You missed it. I want to jump over to Colossians 2.8. Listen to this. It says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. What did we read about at the beginning of Ephesians? Satan is the commander in the unseen world. He controls it. And what we're told not to do is to rely on our own human thinking from the spiritual powers of the world, which is where Satan is the commander and and chief. And if we're not careful, it's very easy to get sucked into this idea that physical blessing in our life equals Christ's blessing in our life. Those two things are not synonymous. It's easy for us to get sucked into that. This is so serious and it's so dangerous. War, politics, and money does have the power to change some things in our life. It does. There's a lot of physical needs that the people in Malawi need, could have. And I hope that one day, in Jesus' name, we can provide some of those needs. Going somewhere to help people with food, shelter, and clothing, it's not a bad thing. It's not. When we do it in Jesus' name. But when we mix up the order, when we get the order wrong, and we start prioritizing the gifts instead of the giver, it becomes sin. And I know you're probably thinking, really, dude? Come on. You you can't tell me that giving food, water, and shelter to people is sinful. Let's look back at the beginning of this chapter that we just read. It says, before we knew Christ, we were dead. How much good do you think food, shelter, and clothing are to dead people? See, if we go out and we do all of these things, these amazing things, that man says, wow, you guys are doing really good things. But we separate the work that we're doing from the atoning blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for you and me, it's dead. And we so often get caught up in our emotions because of the things that we see and we hear that we forget about what Christ has done for us. So let me tell you what he's done for us. And we're going to go back to verse 4. So in light of everything that we just read and being dead in our own sin, this is the hope that we get. But God. But God. That's enough. That's enough right there. 
He is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our own sin, he gave us life when he raised us again with Christ from the dead. And I love this part in parentheses. It's only by the grace of God that you've been saved. It's only by God's grace. And it gets even better. It says he seated you with him in heavenly places because you are now united with Christ. And it gets even better. Look at verse 7. God can point to you as an example of his incredible grace and kindness. He took our trash. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He took us when we were dead, walking corpses in our own sinful desires, and he traded that out and he gave us life. That's good news. And then we read on in verse 8, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. All right, in order to, to wrap our minds around this last section here, I want to take us over to James 2.19. It says, So you have faith because you believe there is one God? Good for you. Okay, you believe there's a God, so what? Good job. Even the demons believe, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. You know what foolish means? It's kind of a churchy word. I can thank my dad for this one. He used to tell me this a lot. Stop being foolish. <laughs> it means don't be dumb on purpose. That's what it means. You believe there's a God? Good for you. So do the demons. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And I want to be really clear here because this is, this is so easy to get confused if we take this out of context. And we do this so often. We look at that last part and, and just basically say, well, we got to do good stuff. We got to do good stuff. And we forget about the rest of it. And, and our God is a God of order. From the beginning of time when he laid the foundations of the earth, there was an order. He is systematic. He is orderly. And we know that Satan is the master of confusion and chaos. Satan is confusion and chaos. God is order. And when we take things out of order, it leads to bad theology, and it leads to our lives being messy. It leads to the prosperity gospel. And so some of us look at James 2 and we say, see, 
that's, that just confirms that we got to do good stuff. And I want to point out that James 2.19 is not contradictory to what we've just read in Ephesians 2. In fact, it just confirms what we just read. See, God has called us as followers of Christ to help one another, to care for one another, to provide for those in need. But those things come as a response to Christ. We do those things because of Christ, not to get to Christ. It's a response. It can't be the other way around. We can't, we won't, and we don't just get to forge our way into heaven. We can't do it. It's Jesus Christ first, period. And then it's all of the good things that God has planned for us. But this is important too, because then we get that, we understand that part. And then we say, yes, and then it's what I have planned for my purpose and my time. Right? We're always upset at God because it's never on our time. What are you doing up there, God? No, no, no. The good things that we do come as a response from what Christ has done for us first. And then God is going to use you for his plan, for his purpose. In his time. Folks, we're, we're a disaster when it comes to patience. We hate waiting for God. It's for his purpose, his plan, his time. And I really love this African initiative. It's sustainable churches through the local people. It's such a cool thing. We get to come alongside of the native people to help them, to equip them, to spread the love of Jesus Christ. They understand their culture. They speak the language. They know how their politics work. They recognize what their local people's needs are. And we're coming alongside them and saying, how can we support you? It's sustainable. They care for one another. They're learning to love and forgive each other just like we do. They're doing their best to create and live a better life because of the grace of God. It was amazing to be there. I was so encouraged to see what the Lord is doing in their communities and their village. And as I got to know them, I, I found out that in spite of all of the poverty and the things that we would, we would say, this is horrible, they're, they're joyful. They're so joyful. And um, I would joke with them because their music is very happy. They like to dance. They'd say, yeah, we like to dance. We like to, we like to praise the Lord. Our music is praise. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And they'd say, your, your music is worship. And I would say, yeah. Our music's pretty sad. (laughs) 
we have sad music. And they didn't mean it like that, but, but what they were saying is like, our music a lot of times is like, it's soulful, it's like a prayer. And the song, Set a Fire, that we sang this morning, I, I taught them that song. And uh, we would sing it together, and somehow, or I didn't even know this was possible, but they turned Set a Fire into a joyful song. <laughs> we were dancing to Set a Fire. It was cool. I wish I would have recorded it. It's like, how do you guys do that? But they're so joyful. And as we would go out and we got to share with them the love of Christ, they would ask questions. They wanted to know about forgiveness. They wanted to know what to do with troublemakers in the family, right? They wanted to know about sex and how do we raise our kids. And They asked us all the same questions about all the same problems that we have here. They're God's people. You're God's people. Our problems aren't different than their problems. And what I started realizing is what they need the most and what you and I need the most is Jesus. That's it. When we start living our lives on mission for Jesus Christ because of our understanding of the gospel, we have no choice but to change. What we need more than comfort in our lives is Jesus. What we need more than physical change is spiritual freedom. And without the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have no hope. The band can come up, and in closing, I want to remind you of the hope that we have. From the beginning of time, all men through Adam chose to disobey God and to follow our own sinful desires and we were separated from Christ and dead in our own sin. And because of our trespass against God, by following after the cravings of our own selfish flesh, we deserved eternal punishment and damnation. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and because of his great love for you and for me, took our sin and the punishment that we deserved and he put it upon himself and he nailed it to the tree. For our sake, he made him, that's Jesus Christ, to be our sin, who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He defeated death so that all of those who put their trust in him can have life. For it is only by the grace of God that we are saved so that none of us can boast. He is the one who justified us. He is the one who sanctified us. And he imputed his righteousness to us. And because of his incredible grace and kindness towards us, we have hope. 
And he has raised us up to be seated with him in the heavenly realms. This is our hope. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me this morning and sing?